Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, on Christmas Eve, children all over the world are eagerly awaiting Christmas Day. And one of the most common questions that is to be heard is, what time can we get up in the morning? Do you all have rules on that? Does everyone have a, like a time? Do you say, this is the time? We had 7 a.m. this year. That was the time. 7 a.m. Don't come out before 7 a.m. But in the past, it's been earlier. I think maybe 6 a.m. one year. Five? I don't know. Maybe not five. Okay, six. <laughs> anyway, I mean, waiting is tough business to be sitting around waiting for like a whole two hours maybe or an hour because you wake up at like four in the morning, right? Gifts, you're excited so you can't sleep and, you know, you wake up early and you're like, what time is it? You know, I, I got to get down and see what, what sort of loot there is waiting for me under the tree. That's well, hard business, waiting, you know. It takes patience. It takes a great deal of patience sometimes. All right. How much patience do you think it takes to wait 700 years See, 700 years is a lot more than one or two hours. And the gift that's on the end of that 700 years is a lot better than any gift you could get under the tree. But that's how long it was between the time Isaiah said, the Lord God will cause righteousness to praise and praise to sprout up before all the nations. This was a promise of the Messiah who was to come. And Isaiah wrote that 700 years before Jesus was born. I mean, kids get antsy after an hour or two, but 700 years is a very long time to wait. Now, Galatians 4 says, uh, Paul said that when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. 700 years apparently was that fullness of time for the Messiah to be born. 700 years is more than a single lifetime. I mean, that's multiple lifetimes. It's multiple generations of people. But... Here in our gospel lesson today, we have a couple people who waited their entire lifetimes for this consolation, this Messiah, this Christ that would come. And we meet first Simeon, who was waiting to see the Messiah, the Christ, the consolation of Israel is the way it was described here. He is the first witness. He's described as being righteous and devout and the Holy Spirit was upon him by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, not by his own will, but by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, by the revelation of God, the Holy Spirit. Simeon was able to recognize and to see Jesus as he was brought into the temple by his faithful parents who were fulfilling the law of Moses presenting their firstborn child, as was commanded by the law of Moses. And he recognized Jesus as the Messiah. That's not something that he willed himself to do. It's, it's comparable to Jesus saying to Simon, uh, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Because when he saw Jesus and saw in him the consolation of Israel, the Messiah, the Christ, he is making a confession, a profound confession, that in this little baby, God dwells. Now listen to these words and see if they sound familiar. These are Simeon's words. 
Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Now, does this sound familiar? Yeah, because this is the Nunc Dimittis, which it's called. Do you ever wonder why do we call it the Nunc Dimittis? It's called, also called the Song of Simeon. If you look at the end, it's the post-communion canticle that we sing sometimes. There are some Latin scholars here. What does Nunc Dimittis mean? It means, now you let depart. And, and that's, it's just the, it's the first two words in that verse. If you're reading this in Latin, it would be the first two words. It would be, now you let depart your servant. And so it's called the Nunc Dimittis because Simeon is saying, I have seen, my eyes have seen your salvation. I can die now, a happy man. It's basically what Simeon is saying. Israel had waited for hundreds of years since these prophecies of Isaiah, and going back even further than that, I mean, remember, Jesus is the fulfillment of prophecy, prophecy that was made to Satan in the Garden of Eden, that her offspring would crush his head. That's, that's the first gospel, and Jesus coming in the flesh is, has come to fulfill that prophecy, along with all of the other prophecies of the Old Testament. But they have waited for a long time. Simeon has waited his entire life. Now we have the second witness, which is Anna. We actually are given her age. She's the daughter of Phanuel. And she was married for seven years. The implication is she didn't have children. Or if she had children, they died. But then her husband died and left her widowed, and she was alone. She spent all of her time at the temple, uh, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. That's what the text tells us. 84 years old. And what joy for her to experience and to witness this as she waits patiently, trustfully, like believing and trusting that this life where she has been left widowed and spends all of her time in the temple fasting and prayer, that this isn't it, that there's more to come. And here she sees the consolation of Israel, the Messiah himself, as a child brought into the temple. And again, she didn't will herself to believe. She was given faith by God. She was given the faith to see and to recognize that this is the Christ. This, this little child, however unassuming he is, as, he's brought, as he is brought into the temple, this is the, the awaited Messiah. And so what does she do? She can't help but just share that with everyone. She's out preaching to people, telling them that the consolation of Israel has come says, uh, speaking of him to all who are waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Again, there's that, that uh, waiting and anticipating. Simeon's eyes had seen the salvation of God, that is, Jesus the Christ. The naked eye could only see a baby, but, uh, but the eyes of faith could see that this is the Messiah. Now, Simeon says that baby Jesus is a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Now, the, light, the, the Christ has been given as a light for the Gentiles, for all nations. 
the faithful people of Israel had waited a very long time in anticipation of his coming, they may have appeared as fools for waiting. What are you waiting for? Your God is not coming. He's abandoned you. These are the sorts of things that the, is- the people of Israel, the faithful people who are waiting for this consolation, for this Messiah to come. And they waited faithfully and patiently. And, and in spite of whatever the world might have said to them, their, fa- their waiting and their patience was not in vain because here Christ has come. Now I want to go back for a second to Isaiah 61 and talk about our patience. <clears throat> I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Now believers know and confess that Christ is their righteousness. That's what it means to be a believer. We confess a righteousness that comes to us from outside of ourselves. We don't earn it with our works or, or build up our own righteousness by the good deeds that we do. No, it's, it's, we have a righteousness that so far surpasses the, that righteousness. It's a righteousness, righteousness that comes from outside of ourselves. It comes from Christ. <clears throat> and Isaiah uses that language to talk about being clothed in righteousness. When we come into church, we confess, I mean... Some people think it's very strange, you know, that the first thing we do when we come in, besides sing a hymn and, and we walk in and it's like, oh, great, you know, we're singing, uh, oh, this morning, Angels from the Realms of Glory. Oh, wow, it's, you know, uplifting. And then all of a sudden it's like, let me confess my sins. I suck. I'm a sinner. I didn't do all the things I was supposed to do. I did the things I wasn't supposed to do. God rescue me. To the world, that seems very strange. Why would we do that? We confess justly that we justly deserve his present and eternal punishment. But at the same time, as we make that confession, what else are we doing? Begging, for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. I, <laughs> the confession doesn't take... Uh, it, it, it takes... Uh, contrition. It takes just basically recognizing, yeah, I do fall short of that, you know, that standard that's set for me. I do fall short of that. Begging for mercy, you know, takes that contrition. We have to have that contrition to say, God, have mercy on me. And, and in that same confession and, and request that we make, that petition to God for forgiveness, what are we doing but saying, God, I trust you. I wait patiently. I wait patiently in this sinful body. You didn't come to me in the middle of the night and tell me that my eyes would see the salvation, that I would see the Messiah before I died. You didn't tell me that. But you did claim me in the waters of baptism. You did wash me with your word and tell me that I'm your beloved child. You've adopted me as your son. You did do that. And you also feed me with your very body and blood, giving me forgiveness. You did that. You also preached a word to me that I needed to hear when I did feel contrite. When my heart said, wow, I really do fall short. You preached a word to me that said, I am pleased to have mercy on you and to forgive you your sins. And so that enables us as faithful believers to wait with Simeon 
and to wait with Anna and to be patient and to know that all of these things that we, that we have been promised, namely eternal life for the sake of Jesus Christ, forgiveness of sins, the blessed resurrection that will come, re, being reunited with our loved ones who have died in the faith, all of these things, we wait patiently and we're able to wait patiently. Why? Because we're so patient? No. Because we trust in God who is faithful to fulfill all of his promises. Always. He cannot tell a lie. He cannot break a promise. Not that he wants to. No, he desires that all would be saved. And for, for those who hear and, and receive his word of promise and faith, he will not let you be disappointed. So in this present life, struggle with sin. We struggle with sin. That's what it means to struggle. It means we don't give into it headlong, but we struggle with it. Both the sins that we commit and the sins that are committed against us, they affect us. We question our commitment to Christ, as we should, because we do fall short. But then sometimes we also question his commitment to us. We shouldn't do that, because he doesn't ever fall short. We might not understand completely what he's doing. Well, he is the inscrutable God. <laughs> you know, his ways are far above ours. If we could understand everything, then we'd be God and he wouldn't be. And that's not the way it is. So, But the promise is, is so glorious and it's to be received with faith and waited on patiently. That in Christ, when he returns and raises both the living and the dead, he will cover you with a righteousness that far surpasses any righteousness you could ever muster on your own. His robe of righteousness. Rejoice. Rejoice that in Christ all of your sins are forgiven, you are saved. And receive that good news and wait patiently. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.